I'm I'm seeing, I'm here juggling these balls and kind of doing an okay job, except I'm occasionally dropping one, and then somebody throws two more big balls into the mix <laughs> and a chainsaw. <laughs> no chainsaws yet. Wow. Welcome to episode 37 of the Recovery Show. We're trying something new this episode and recording live. You will be hearing, if you're listening live, the raw, unedited form of this episode, including a real-time interaction with listeners in the chat room. We're planning to try this format a few times, so if you missed the opportunity to listen and interact live this episode, you'll have more opportunities in the future. This episode is brought to you by Laura. She used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Laura, for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Do you sometimes feel that you're trying to keep too many balls in the air at once? Do you hear people talk about a balanced life and wonder what they mean? Do you struggle with too much to do and not enough time to do it all? Then this episode is for you as we talk about juggling versus balance. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of juggling versus balance. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Kelly. How are you today, Kelly? Good morning, guys. I'm... uh... I'm here. I'm good, I think. Next to Kelly is Swetha. How you doing? Swetha. I think Kelly pretty much summed it up there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're all here. It's, uh, it's a start. And we're juggling too many things, maybe. <laughs> all right. Well, the first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic juggling versus balance. Following a musical break, we'll talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your contributions by email or voice and with brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. So we're going to start with a reading from the Al-Anon Daily Reader, One Day at a Time in Al-Anon. This is for September 15th. A good way to get out from under some of our daily problems is to stop reacting to everything that occurs. Some of us have a constant drive to do something about everything that happens, everything that somebody says to us. There is a time to act, of course, but the action should be based on careful thinking out of the factors. It should not be triggered by every wind that blows. When something displeases us, it isn't a threat to our lives, our safety, or anything important. If we keep it in perspective, it will help us to let it go and stay in balance. Kelly, what, okay. what's your understanding of balance? What does it mean to you? <laughs> Well, actually, I pulled up the definition of balance on dictionary.com, and there are 31 different definitions for the word balance. Wow. Just to throw that out that there. That sounds kind of unbalanced so to me. <laughs> Although it is kind of comforting, in a sense, just uh, knowing that the definition can change day to day of what balance means for me, and um, that... There isn't a perfect way to do it, clearly, because there's a little bit of dis- disagreement here. <laughs> um, but, you know, visually, I guess I just sort of think of, you know, the the scales 
and I don't know what the what the kind of scale is, but you Bell know, scale. Yeah, yeah, but thank you. <laughs> um, you know, when when everything sort of has equal representation, um, not in terms of importance, but in terms of presence. You know, when I'm able to f- to fit all of the things that are important to me into my life without feeling like I have to compromise, um, I feel balanced. That sounds good. Swetha, do you have uh, thoughts on balance? Uh, <clears throat> yes, I in fact do. This has been a very difficult week to balance for me. So, yeah, I think balance, a lot of times balance for me is... Um, like a lot of things for me in the program has a lot to do with uh, self-awareness. I think balance for me is about understanding what I can do, what I'm capable of doing mm-hmm. and what needs to get done and not, not what I want to get done <laughs> and not what I want to be able to do, but what I'm actually able to do and what I actually need to get done and, and trying to find a compromise. If, if those are two things that are way, way off, like maybe one day I'm having a really busy day at work and I really need to walk my dog and I need to go do laundry, I need to clean up the apartment, I may not be able to get all those things done in that day. And if for whatever strange reason I need to get all of those done absolutely that day, um, <clears throat> I think it balance for me is finding out a way to be compassionate towards myself and not make myself crazy. And that might mean asking a friend for help, um, might mean getting a dog walker for that day. And, uh, and so balance, I think for me is more, is kind of like what Kelly was saying, not compromising on my serenity, making sure that that stays top priority and realizing everything else will fall into place one way or the other, that it doesn't have to absolutely be the way that I think would be perfect. (laughs) And, uh, and it'll all be okay. And the uh, benefit of being host is I get to go last. That's also maybe <laughs> a detriment. I don't know. I was thinking about physical balance and about, you know, just the ability to walk down a sidewalk without struggling to stay upright. And what is it that puts me in a in a situation where I'm, not in balance physically and I might be you know I might be carrying something really heavy in one hand or maybe on my back even or maybe the sidewalk is slippery maybe it's not me maybe it's the situation think about trying to walk to work in the in the winter And I walk through a neighborhood that has mostly student rentals. And those people don't do a really good job of clearing their sidewalks of snow. (laughs) And with the weather that we have here, it tends to go up and down above freezing, below freezing. And so you leave some snow on the sidewalk, it pretty quickly turns to ice and then maybe get some more snow on top of it. And you can't see what's underneath. And if I'm just a little bit off balance and I step on one of those patches, then I'm sitting on my ass, which usually hurts. 
And so if I bring that into sort of a life situation, I can be when when my when my life footing is stable, if you will, when when the environment around me is healthy, when it's not making a lot of demands on me, when it's not changing rapidly, when unexpected things are not happening, which yeah, when does that ever happen? But <laughs> then I can carry more. I can pick up those heavy loads, those heavy emotional loads or intellectual loads or workloads, and I can stay in some balance. I can keep keep on going forward without without feeling like I can't handle it. And then there are the times when life has been throwing me curveballs and it feels like my support is wobbly or slippery and not really there. And, and then I can't carry as much. I can't do as much. I can't strive for as much because I'm spending more time just keeping myself going, just keeping myself from falling down because of the, the situation around me. And I really, and, and of course, sometimes I don't recognize that, right? And so I have to, I will fall down. I'm like, whoa, what just happened? I thought I could do this thing. Why am I sitting on my ass now <laughs> in the snow? So I don't know, that's my thoughts on balance, not really defining it, just sort of thinking about what I can take from what I know about, about physical balance. And, you know, when I was a kid, in the summertime, we, we spent our summers um, at a property um, in, in the woods on a lake and camped all summer. And we had these ravines that were, you know, 100 feet deep or so. And so the our parents laid down these logs some distance back from the edge of the ravine and and said, no, you can't go past these, which we mostly obeyed. <laughs> hey, you know, kids. It's all right. They're not listening, Spencer. You can be honest. <laughs> oh, they knew. <laughs> they knew. And because uh, I mean, you want to walk up to the edge and look down because it's cool. Uh, but the, 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 the rock there was mostly shale. And I don't know if you've mm. any experience with shale, but it, it tends to flake off in little little bitty pieces and it's very slippery. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not careful, you know, you can get off balance and your feet slip out from under you and there you are sliding down the ravine and that's not a pretty sight. Yeah. Anyway, so we would walk on these logs and it was a game, you know, and, and you had to keep your balance because you couldn't fall off on the ravine side of the log. Uh, I mean, wouldn't go down the ravine, they were far enough back, but learn something about keeping in balance, but also about unsteady footing because these were just like trees that they cut down. I mean, they weren't nicely, they weren't straight and round like telephone poles or something. And so uh, sometimes you'd step on a spot and, and the log wasn't well balanced and, and all of a sudden it would all shift. And uh, it was just fun. I don't know. I don't know if I can bring anything real from that, but I think, I think the same thing happens in life. I mean, sometimes we, we step, metaphorically step somewhere that we think is safe and our feet go out from under us. Um, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot. 
And there we are, off balance. Spencer, both of your examples are making me think of how I feel like the idea of control is not relevant to balance. That, you know, whether it's the walking on the ice, icy sidewalk example, or the log, that when it when things shift, when life gets out of control, or when something, when we get that curveball, you know, it's not about controlling the environment around us because we we can't. We can't. We can't control that that ice is underneath that layer of snow or that the log is shifting. Um, so it's more about, with balance for me, you know, my response to that situation. How do I, how do I counter it to make sure that I don't fall off? Studded snow boots. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got those. That helps. I got those. Well, now I know what to ask for for Christmas. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Rita. You're welcome. Yak tracks are one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Spencer, I was thinking about the that you were saying that you would like to go right up to the edge of this and look down. I have a fear of a terrible, horrible phobia of heights. And also, I'm very, very careful about every choice I make. I'm like, hmm, that looks like it could be potentially dangerous. Uh, let's just do something completely, extremely the opposite way. <laughs> so it's ex- extraordinarily safe. So yeah. if, if that had been me, I would have set those logs up about 30 feet to 40 feet behind where your parents got to set up. <laughs> and then I would have told my family, we're not going past this point here. <laughs> it's very dangerous. <laughs> Who knows what could happen? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I do have a little bit of fear of heights, but it's it's. I guess it's small enough that it's mostly just exciting. I don't know if you've ever seen the Arch in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it's like six hundred feet tall or something, mm-hmm. and it's got a triangular cross section with mm-hmm. the point of the triangle pointing into the center of the arch, so you can go up in it. Mm-hmm. These funky sideways slanty elevator things. Right. Mm-hmm. And you get to the top and, and you can walk through the top of the arch and, and they have windows so you can look look out. Now think about this. So you're in a triangle with the point down. So in order to look out the window, you have to lean forward. Oh. So you're leaning over this 600 foot straight down. Swith is going to pass out over here. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, we we took some teens up there a few years ago, and um, and one of the girls just she got up there and she says, "I can't do it, I just can't do it." And uh, as I recall, a couple of the adults sort of you know helped her ease into it, and she was able to eventually look out without totally freaking. But wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is my approach to life. Everyone. Okay, <laughs> so in contrast to balance. Uh, we are also talking about juggling. And mm. and Kelly, why don't you start us off here with what it feels like when you're juggling or, or you know, what does it mean for you to be juggling in your life? Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess in, in contrast, because I didn't really, I talked about what I think balance is, but I didn't really talk about how it feels. You know, to me, when I'm, when I'm, ba- <laughs> Zen is the only word that I that comes to mind as a way of explaining balance, you know, like everything, not that everything is, well, I don't know, I guess maybe that everything is aligned and feels, I don't know, capable, 
possible. Coordinated? I don't know. But it's a very, you know, balance is a very calm feeling. And to me, in contrast, uh, juggling, which is what I've been doing for the past week, does feels completely the opposite. I mean, I don't even think... I don't think there's anything <laughs> related to those two ideas. You know, juggling to me feels very panicked, uh, confused, urgent, out of control, which is interesting, you know, b- because of my comment on how balance doesn't have anything to do with control. But, you know, I think juggling pushes that envelope so far for me in the opposite direction that that maybe I go to that place of control thinking that's the resolve. You know, the resolve for me to juggling is I got to, con- I got to control my surroundings because that's yeah. like my default thought, you know, <laughs> thinking about how it feels to be in balance. And again, I come back to the physical. So if I'm physically in balance, then I'm sort of ready to move in whatever direction I might need to move to reach out to wherever I need to reach out to and still be safe. Mm -hmm. I have tried juggling and maybe the first couple of tosses I'm in one place and then the balls or beanbags or whatever it is. Beanbags are a lot easier than balls, by the way, if you try this. (laughs) Um, They just start going maybe ahead of me and I have to keep running to catch up to them. Mm. And then one of them goes way off to the side and I suddenly have to lurch to the side to try to catch it. And at that point it's all over. Right. Mm -hmm. I think what you said about balance, not being about control, but balance gives me a feeling that I can be in control of what I need to be in control of. And and when I'm juggling, I lose that feeling. I lose that feeling of being able to to be in control of the things that 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 need to be controlled. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What you, Swetha? Oh, um, juggling. <clears throat> I can juggle with exactly two balls because I have exactly two hands, <laughs> and. And that is that. <laughs> that is both metaphorically and in reality. I am not very good at juggling in in any context. And um I think um I think actually what I got from, from Kelly's uh comments whether was that when I'm in feeling in balance, I don't need to be in control. I can completely let go of the concept of control because everything is as it should be. I am not trying to do a million things that I know I can't do. And um, so I'm, I'm okay. And I'm okay with the outcome um, and all of that. And juggling, <laughs> juggling for me actually happens more often when I try to be in control. Like at work, there is a enormous project that they, that my, my bosses, my many bosses uh, sat me down and were like, we want this done. We don't really completely understand computers and (laughs) that's okay. So we want this magnificently large project to be done. How long do you think that'll take? And I was like, I I think one, maybe two months at least. And they're like, 
I don't understand. Why would it be that much? Why would it be that long? And um, the reason it would be that long for people who actually know anything about computers is because we're dealing with processing terabytes of data constantly, <laughs> and it's a huge project. And um, so that's one thing. And and controlling Swetha is like, oh my gosh, I absolutely want to get this done faster so that they don't ask me this question of why does it need to take two months? And so controlling Swetha would have been like, it doesn't have to be two months. I could give me a week. Give me a week. I can do it in a week. That's that's controlling Swetha. And the next day I knew I would be sitting there juggling 50 different things, working, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, trying to squeeze um, two months into a week. And then I'm even more out of control. <laughs> and uh, well, because I was trying to control my boss's um, opinion of me and my workload. Uh, balanced Swetha, who I... I sound like I have multiple personality disorder. Right <laughs> <laughs> Balanced Swetha. I love you anyway, Swetha. All, all the personalities? Or is this all just, of them. Aw, thanks, guys. <laughs> Unconditionally. <laughs> Thank you. But um, thankfully, that day, Balanced Swetha was the one controlling the body. And I was like, why, yes, two months. However, if that's too long for you guys, well... This was sarcastic, so I said that wanted to say, if that's too long, by all means, do it yourself. <laughs> um, but uh, I was, if I had been trying to be more controlling I, of my boss's expectations and opinions of me and my work, then I wasn't going to be, I wouldn't have been able to be self-aware. I would have prioritized what they wanted over what I could do. And then I would have been juggling. I would have had 10 balls in my hands and trying really hard to throw them all up in the air and keep them going. And as I started this share with, I can only juggle two balls because I have two hands and it's not so much juggling as holding them in my hand and going, two balls, <laughs> and maybe waving them around a little to look kind of stylish. I don't know, like fancy look, I've got two balls. I've done that juggling. Vote, yeah. <laughs> it works with three-year-olds, guys. They get really excited, especially if you have sequins on the balls. <laughs> um, Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, so I, for me, juggling is about um, juggling is about trying to be, control everything around me. And as we have said in so many episodes before, and in every meeting I've ever gone to, and every conversation I've ever had with a program person, there is no formula. I can't freaking control everything. And so <laughs> automatically, the second I start trying to control things outside of me, I'm juggling. In that one instant, all, that, all I need to do is decide that something outside of me is way more important than what's going on inside of me. And um, when I'm balanced, I'm able to just accept what's outside of me. I can accept that my bosses don't necessarily understand what Control-C does on a computer or how to paste anything into a Word document. Um, and so if they don't understand that it takes two months to do a job, that's okay, that's what I can do. It doesn't matter, even if my boss was uh, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, may he rest in peace, um, even if it was Steve Jobs, it doesn't matter. I can do this work in two months. That is what I can do. Mm. And the world will happen whether or not, the world will just go on whether or not I can do this in two months. The more accepting I am of that situation, of the world and of myself, the more likely I am to be in balance. Because this, once I told them it's going to take me about a month to two months, I don't have to be in control anymore. I'm just doing what I know I can do. Everything else is going to happen the way it happens. Everything's okay. 
I'm just balanced. I think about um, my work recently where, so I'm actively working on one project, which is being used by two other projects. And so I'm sort of constantly fielding requests and problem reports from two other groups and I'm managing a relationship with um, an offsite partner who's doing actually a lot of the work and they're in California. So we have the time zone difference and, and I think I've spoken about one of the main programmer on that project uh, tends to come into work in the middle of the afternoon in California. And in fact, Yesterday, he was still at work when I came to work here at, at 8 in the morning on the East Coast. So, I don't know, 5 in the morning in California, he was still there working. And so, there's a lot of balls to keep in the air with that one project. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the two customers, the the vendor, me, a lot of expectations. My boss saying, so how are things doing? How are you going? When's it going to be ready? Pressure. Pressure. <laughs> and and so there's there's the day-to-day, make it work, make it work, make it work. The other thing that I'm supposed to be doing for that project is documenting what we're doing, how we're doing it, and why we're doing it, and how it works, so that the people who are using it have some place to go look for, for at their expectations of what, what they can get from it. it. Sounds like an open talk. <laughs> I mean, what you're doing, why you're yeah. doing it, how yeah. to do it, yeah. that, that yeah, part, yeah. sorry. <laughs> and so on Thursday, we had our weekly meeting of the, the uh, architects group. And my boss says, so how's this documentation coming? Well, that was a ball that I dropped mm-hmm. because I was busy keeping these other balls in the air. Mm-hmm. And then, and now, I'm on two new projects that are starting up mm-hmm. and working with product managers for those two new projects. And they want to meet like for a couple hours every day to talk about, you know, conceptualizing what are our goals? What are our, what's our scope? What's, what are our success criteria? What are the things that we have to do? How do we want to schedule these things? When do we think it's going to be done? How many people do we need to work on it? We got to, you know, sort of work out all this stuff. So I'm I'm seeing, I'm here juggling these balls and kind of doing an okay job except I'm occasionally dropping one and then somebody throws two more big balls into the mix <laughs> and a chainsaw. <laughs> no chainsaws yet. Wow. Kelly's uh, just taking it to the next level, Spencer. I am, I am so not ready for a chainsaw. Sounded really overwhelming. He was listing off all that stuff. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, so I've been juggling and, and not really recognizing it. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the ways that I deal with it is I just take these, these, you know, these balls that aren't working and I kind of put them off to the side until somebody wants to see them again. And then I'm like, Oh, better get that one back in the air. And, <laughs> you know, I guess I'll have to set this one down because, you know, like you say, I can only juggle so many balls. And metaphorically, I think I can do more than two. Maybe that's not really true. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe the real number is one. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, and Ruth. Uh, in the in the in the chat room here, she says, "I can miss balance when I'm too dedicated too much to one thing, 
and then other things often uh, get too too little attention and mm-hmm. and that has definitely um, been happening to me mm-hmm. in this work situation where uh, basically the the as as we have this is saying the squeaky wheel gets the grease mm-hmm. and the guys that are in the room with me saying I need to get my job done and your job is getting in my way fix it now. Uh, they tend to get the grease and mm-hmm. the, hey, I need to sit down and think about the overall um, shape of what we've done and write it down so that somebody else can use it later job, which is not urgent. It's right. very important. And, you know, my wife used to talk about this when she was an administrator, that there were certain jobs that were important, but they weren't urgent. And if she didn't set aside time to do them, they would never happen right. because the urgent the urgent jobs would just take over all her time. And that's something that I still struggle with, mm-hmm. getting that balance between the things that absolutely got to be done today and the things that absolutely got to be done sometime. And if they never rise to do it today, they never get done, and that's not good. Um, so I don't know if, if, if you have more thoughts about uh, juggling. Oh, Ruth says, I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one getting lost in job. <laughs> um, and if, if you have more thoughts about juggling? Yeah, well, I was going to say, it was, I found it interesting that both of you were giving examples about work, mm-hmm. specifically in terms of juggling, because that's, you know, that's really where, that's really where I struggle the most with the juggling balance issue. You know, I feel like my life in recovery is very balanced. You know, I found a I found a system that works for me in terms of the number of meetings that I need to go to every week to feel balanced, the amount of time that I can spend with uh, sponsees and friends, and you know, having coffee and doing those sorts of program things. Um, I feel like I have found a good balance in my life for how much time I spend with my significant other in terms of making sure that, you know, that relationship feels important, but not too much time, you know? So I feel like all of those kind of other components feel balanced to me, but the work is the place where I constantly feel like I'm juggling. And, you know, kind of kind of going back to what, what we have all been mentioning on the idea of control, there was this little piece that I I stuck in the script from an article about juggling that says, um, juggling suggests that everything that happens only happens because of you and the world, AKA gravity will cause things to collapse. If you slack even for a second. Oh God. <laughs> pressure, 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 I know, pressure, pressure. Right? <laughs> it makes me feel panic just reading that sentence. <laughs> um, but you know, work for me, uh, is very tricky because you know, similar to you guys, uh, well, I'm self-employed, first of all. So there's nobody else to lean on and there's nobody to blame if something doesn't, you know, if the, if the pieces aren't falling in line or if something doesn't get done, like I'm the only one that I have to look at. I can't point the finger at, you know, I can't do my job because you didn't do your job, you know. <laughs> there is none of that. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. You know, I I used to have an employee and I had her for about, two years. And together we found a really nice balance of, you know, figuring out how to get everything done and, and working together. And also the job that I do has these, uh, sort of ebbs and flows. So there are periods of the year where 
there's a lot going on and a lot has to happen in a very short period of time. And then there are other times of the year where it's very relaxed and you can kind of work at your own pace and there's no pressure and it's just sort of like the, the, the filler work, you know. So right now I'm entering into, well, I am in the midst of the busiest time of the year. And this is the first time I've done this time of year without help in two years. Mm. And I have added more, uh, more work to my plate than I had prior to hiring this employee. So Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. Yeah. Right. It's, I mean, I, and I feel like, you know, I should have seen this coming, but at the same time, sometimes I think it's just that sort of, you know, the sort of sick part of my brain that thinks I just need to try this and see if I can do this without help. You know, I don't, I've never been in this position before. I don't know what this is like. So I'm not sure if I can handle it or not. So the only way to figure that out is to, you know, both feet head first and both feet try head first. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have this cause we're talking a lot about juggling metaphors, but the sometimes what I find with myself in this situation is that when there's so many balls in the air mm-hmm. and that I'm trying to juggle and feels overwhelming, I basically will just take a step back and let all the balls fall on the floor. Yep. <laughs> like, there's too many. I just can't do this. Fuck it. I'm out of here, you yeah. know, and just let them all fall down, which you know, is not balance either. (laughs) Um, You know, balance would probably be, as Spencer mentioned, maybe removing a couple of those balls from the air and then getting back to a place where it's like, okay, this is what I can handle. Tricky a little bit finding that gray area. But um, yeah, uh, work the last week has been really, really stressful and part of part of the factor too is that I, you know, I'm out of, I'm traveling, I'm out of town, so I'm staying in hotels and other people's houses and random places <laughs> that are not in my comfort zone. Random places, you're not sleeping in a tent in the woods, are you? <laughs> no, not yet. Anyway, <laughs> we'll see how business goes. That that could be a possibility in the future. <laughs> sleeping in your car, right? <laughs> oh man. And and that's part of you know, in terms of the balance thing, I think that makes it easy for me to navigate those other parts of my life is that those situations are static. You know, the meetings are always in the same building. Uh, you know, the, the sponsy thing, the faces may change, but I know in terms of, you know, how much I can handle doesn't normally change. And, um, you know, the work thing is all over the place. Like mm-hmm. once I find a system something at the corporate level changes. And so it throws everything, you know, into the spin again. And so um, just got (laughs) to do the best I can with the tools I have, I guess. Oh, man. So I think any any further thoughts on juggling? Well, one thing I thought uh, in my little narrow-minded way was if God had meant for us to have more than one ball or more than two for that matter, we'd have more arms. A. (laughs) B. (laughs) Um. I just was thinking that a lot of times for me with work, uh, I think you mentioned this earlier in an episode, Kelly, that work is one of those places where where we get um, validation for all of our sick behaviors. Mm-hmm. So if I'm staying 14 hours and not eating because I'm working through lunch and all of that, my boss is like, that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. just great, Swaitha. Look at you go. And I'm like, yes, approval and validation. Score one for my unhealthy behaviors. 
I think that's a lot of the reason why balance and juggling gets really uh, sticky at work, mm-hmm. for one thing, because I, I, I do want validation and approval. Um, I think in last week's episode, Anne was mentioning that everybody wants to be appreciated and praised, and, and we do. And I think it helps me at work to be able to praise myself for making balanced decisions. So like, if I've had a nice, calm day at work, it's nice for me to stop and take a moment to reflect and point out to myself that this was not a crazy, stressful day at work. I wasn't uh, gritting my teeth and snapping pencils and twitching my eyes or anything. Um, so that's really nice. And um, so we, so sometimes it helps me. What helps me with balance at work or life, anything helps me with anything is is congratulating myself and giving myself praise for doing the healthy thing as mm-hmm. opposed to relying on other people mm-hmm. for that praise. That doesn't always work because sometimes I just want my boss to say, you're awesome and you're getting a raise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which I totally got, by the way, for a lot of unhealthy behaviors this past year. That's okay. Totally different story. Um, another thing I was thinking was that it's really hard for me, though I've tried desperately to do this, to compartmentalize my life. So when things things might be balanced in certain parts of my life, but when th- one thing gets unbalanced, it sort of overlaps. It sort of messes with the balance of the other things. And that, like, like for example, if at work, I'm just like, oh, I have to be at work for X number of hours more, or I'm really stressed out at work. I'll come home and be really stressed out and not really be present in my life with my significant other or my pets or, or me, most importantly for me even. So there's that. And sometimes I do drop all the balls because I, I feel tired. <laughs> I feel exhausted. <laughs> I'm not just waving two balls around and entertaining a three-year-old. I'm like getting chainsaws up in the air and going nuts. <laughs> and, uh, and those chainsaws are heavy and I don't have a lot of upper body strength. And um, so I get really tired and I convince myself that at some point that tiredness that's so much more important than everything else. And I'm just like, fuck yeah. it all to hell. And that's, I think that's an extreme form of, of balance because I've gone so far in one direction right. that to balance myself out, I have to go way far in the other. And I don't ever have to get there. Um, there's the slower, gentler way of removing one chainsaw at a time, <laughs> probably with help and some protective gear. And then you get back to a safe place. But if I get myself to this point where I just can't take anything anymore, I... I'm very likely to just sit with a blanket wrapped around me, uh, shoving Chinese food and watching marathon movie situation. It's like a marathon movie situation for hours. I look like a turtle in front of Netflix <laughs> just going because I need a break. And it doesn't ever have to get there. I mean, when I go to meetings, when I meet up with my sponsor or sponsees or friends or meditate, gosh, it's really hard to hide from myself when I'm meditating because I am right up there with myself and realizing the truth about my life. And and so when I have those checks in my life, it it just people or myself or my higher power will remind me that that it's okay that I may be way out of my league right now. Um and that I can just take that break and remove a chainsaw and I don't have to get to the point where I'm using the chainsaw on someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you started to touch on some some tools that you use to help you get back into balance or Mm -hmm. to get through these juggling periods. And uh, we had an email from Maria who Mm -hmm. said, I struggle with balance when I don't go and sit outside. Mm -hmm. As I see a tree, a bird, or a squirrel, I think all is well in God's eyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what what can you do? What do you do 
to help bring yourself back into some balance when you find yourself, you know, running down the running down the sidewalk chasing those balls that are getting further and further ahead every time you toss them up. Oh, I thought you were going to say running down the sidewalk with a chainsaw hunting people down. <laughs> I was not going there. No. It's okay. That's probably good. <laughs> Kelly, any thoughts? Tools. Well, you know, I think the first thing that I try to focus on is doing something that seems counterintuitive. You know, for me, and, and Swetha, you mentioned the piece about reward. For me, the more work I do, the more I get paid. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's a pretty hefty incentive <laughs> to Yikes. never stop working, right? <laughs> um, and, and that is, you know, that's, that's a pattern of behavior for me is just to throw myself into the situation that, um, that's, gratifying in a sense, or that I get a reward for. So in terms of balance, I feel like, you know, doing something that's counterintuitive. So even though I feel like the work is urgent, I have to get it done. I have to do this thing. I have to complete this piece. Um, stepping away from that. A lot of times what I do, especially um, when I'm traveling for work is answer the phone every time it rings. Majority of times, because um, most of my work is done through emails, so the majority of the time when my phone is ringing, it's someone from the program. And so if I take that call or if I make a phone call, you know, if I just walk away from the computer and call somebody, it doesn't have to be an hour and a half conversation. You know, it can just be five minute check in just to get, get out of that space or a quick text, you know, something like that to sort of, um, pull me out of it, which, you know, which is really hard because when I already feel like I'm pressed for time to take more time out of my day to do something that se- that doesn't feel useful, you know, it seems like, oh, it's, it's just going to be a waste of time. I just need to power through and get this done, you know. Meditation, Swetha, you mentioned, you know, I'm not very good at it, but um, but I've had periods of success and that definitely helps me feel balanced exercise whenever I can get it. That, for me, exercise gets rid of a lot of the feelings that come along with the juggling, the stress, the anxiety, the pressure. And when I can remove those feelings behind it, then I can deal with the situation a little bit better. You know, Kelly, sometimes we talk about, and I don't remember who I was having this conversation with recently about when when we're stressed, we feel it in our body. Mm-hmm. This person was saying that I have to find where, I, where I'm feeling this thing, and then I can tend to that part of my body, and it, and it helps to relieve the stress, the tension, the anxiety, whatever it is. And and so what I I just heard you saying you know about exercise that and and relieving that is because exercise is is tending to your body and it's it's really hard to you know have a lot of tension in in your core when you're you know maybe running or or whatever um, you you've got to just the act of of doing the exercise uh, relieves that physical that physical tension. 
Do you think that is, might be part of what's going on there? Definitely. I mean, I think th- I think there's both physical and psychological component for me. Um, you know, I have a chronic illness that is very heavily affected by stress. If I don't manage my stress, um, physically I feel ill. Mm. And, and that snowballs. You know, physically I feel ill or exhausted, then I can't go to work. I can't be effective at work, and then I can't be effective to other people, and et cetera. It just kind of goes downhill. And so, so for me, it's important on both levels, you know, the physical and the emotional to, um, you know, I got to work it off. Otherwise, I'll go crazy. <laughs> what about you, Swetha? Tools? Definitely meditation. I saw this quote the other day that said, you should always meditate 20 minutes a day every day, unless you've got a really busy day. And then if you have to meditate for an hour. Mm. And uh, I've seen <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, and I saw that and I was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't have time for that shit. And keep coming uh, back. I know, right? <laughs> And more and more lately, I think I'm, I, I'm not great about meditation. I try to be more and more lately. I think I've found that it's very, very important for me. Um, kind of like you were mentioning Spencer about feeling, carrying things in your body. I totally feel like anything that I, any experience that I've had that I haven't really processed, I, it feels there's like a physical pain in my body. Um, and so if I'm really stressed out, my back starts hurting a lot because I don't know, because I'm like hunched over a desk and I look like a creepy person. I don't know. Just sort of, I look like Igor. I look like Igor (laughs) at a computer visualization for you, our listener. And so I, I mean, things like that, I get, I get physical pains and I get stressed out and I get tired. I don't get, if I don't work out, same thing. Um, and and then when I process things, when I'm actually doing things in a balanced way, I process those things a lot better. I'm more self-aware and I don't feel like I get, I feel when I feel like spiritually healthy and spiritually in tune, my body feels a lot better. I'm eating better. I'm working out more. Um, and meditation helps me a lot with that. It helps me check in not only with what's going on in the moment, but what has happened in the past and helps me work through it. But, so meditation is like a great opportunity. <laughs> And it's a great opportunity for me to uh, process things, which I guess is why my sponsor tells me to fourth step pray and meditate all <laughs> the time. <laughs> and actually, that that saying, that quote that I was mentioning, was is really important for me. And I find that the days that I am sitting there, like I can feel my body clenched up, just my arms, everything. I just kind of clench everything. My hands are in fists. Um, which is not good because I work at a computer and you can't type with fists. <laughs> Those days, it's <laughs> I know, Swetha, smash computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, um, there's a scary image. <laughs> the green Swetha smashing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I have gotten so close to that sometimes. The code just doesn't do what I tell it to do. Um, and so at those moments, it's been really good for me to stop, walk away. If I'm at work, there's not like any great place for me to do it. So I just go into a bathroom, close the bathroom stall, sit cross-legged on a toilet and close my eyes and meditate for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And when I come back, everything magically feels better, even if nothing has actually changed. And I'm able to approach my life a lot in a lot more clear way. And that just isn't, it's not just at work. It's with anything. The other day I told someone I'd give them a ride to work. They were 
30 minutes late to where I asked them to meet me so that I could drive them to work. <laughs> and uh, during those 30, the first 10 minutes, I sat and stewed and plotted their death. And uh, <laughs> the next 20 minutes, I meditated. <laughs> and when they and got... so they didn't die. And they are still alive and kicking. Um, and I did not kick them. And it's funny, after I meditated, and thank God I did, they came and sat in my car and this person was freaking out. They were like, oh my God, I'm making you late and I made myself late and everything's so fucked up and messed up and everything's over and I've ruined Christmas. And, um, <laughs> and because I had meditated, I wasn't sitting there going, yeah, you fucking did, asshole. How could you do this to me? Instead, I was like, it's okay. I'm a little late. You're a little late. Life goes on. Let's let's go to let's go to work. It's gonna be fine. And I actually meant it. I wasn't being sarcastic, and it was great. And um, that meditation is incredibly helpful. And sometimes, sometimes um, I don't know what I need to help myself find balance. If, if that's exercise, if that's talking to someone, if that's just praying, fourth stepping, and meditation helps with that too. So sometimes meditate, pray, meditate. Is good or meditate forward step meditate. You pray live. Yep. Uh, yeah. Eating also is not a good way for me <laughs> to find balance because then I'm like cake. I have to have cake all the all of the cake for my spiritual life, which is not true. <laughs> it's not true. Yeah, I'm trying to think about you know some things that 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 are in my life that I've put into my life that I keep in my life because they help me keep some balance. Mm-hmm. So, again, coming back to work, this seems to be where most of the stressors are for me today. wasn't always true. I always leave the office for lunch hmm. when I can. Sometimes people schedule lunch meetings and then I get really ticked. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I... I go out because I need the time away from the physical place and away from the people who, if I'm sitting there, are going to walk over and say, hey, what about this? I need some time to set those balls down. And, and I can do that for an hour in the middle of the day, usually. And... Even if I can't leave physically, I can. I will take the time. I will set the work aside. I'll pick up a book or something. Usually, something passive, like not Facebook, um, because that's I don't know. It's too much like work. I'm still sitting there at the computer typing, and, and <laughs> it's different, but it's not. And 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 try to look unapproachable. Mm-hmm. You know, I work in in a big open space. You've you guys have seen it. A big open space with people sitting in desks in rows. It's not like when I had an office, I could shut the door and there's a signal. Door's shut. I'm doing something, don't want to be bothered. It's a lot harder to do that when you're sitting at a desk in an open, an open workroom. But I can sort of, you know, body language, like I'm kicked back, I'm, I'm reading, I'm eating, I'm not at work. And, and I think that works a little bit. The other thing that that is, I think, important to, to me keeping balance in my life or between work and everything else is that I have 
over the last couple of decades really found the ability to leave work at work most of the time. And that was not always true in my life. Uh, when I was a, well, particularly when I was a grad student, you know, work was my life more or less. Life was my work. I don't know. And I would be in the lab at any time of the day or night. Uh, I got my PI to pay for a high-speed internet connection to home, which was very rare back then, so that I could work at home, I could get up, I could work, or I could work till I just fell into bed. And and that was what I did. There was no distinction really between work at home, except that at work, like, the computers were faster and they had better displays. And I carried that over... Uh, into my early professional life because, you know, I didn't really have anything at home that needed a lot of attention. And maybe that says something about, you know, where my marriage went. I don't know. Stayed married somehow. Um, but, you know, so I would come home, we'd have dinner, and I would go upstairs and I'd get on the computer and I'd work till midnight, two in the morning, whatever. And I'd go to bed and I'd get up in the morning and I'd go into work and I'd work and and then I'd come home and have dinner and then work. And, and that was sort of the way. And there was no balance. There was no balance between work and life. Uh, life kind of fit into the cracks between work. Then I had kids. <laughs> and I think the demands, maybe this is what happened, the demands of having uh, twin infants where sometimes I was the sole caregiver at home because my wife was uh, in school in an evening program, and maybe that really put the nail in it. I don't know. Uh, although I think I still, like after the kids would be asleep at night, I would still go upstairs and, and, and be on the computer for a while. But I really got to a point where it was important to me to be able to leave work and leave leave work there and not to bring it home with me in my head and not to bring it home with me physically in terms of getting on the computer and going back in and doing stuff. And that works a lot of the time. And sometimes the demands are that, that you know, I work a salaried job, not an hourly job. I don't get paid more for working more hours, but sometimes there's more work than, than I'm able to fit into the day. And, and, and so I make an exception, but it's an exception. Um, and I have things in my life that, that I really... They're the last things that I that I move. They're the last things that I drop. And and for example, going to meetings is one of those things. That I don't know. We were talking this morning and uh, before the before the show, and and I was thinking about well, why why do I why is it important for me to go to meetings? And I think one of those things is is just the patterns of behavior that I developed over the first forty something years of my life that I'm I'm working on changing. And I need that sort of constant reminder of of the new way of doing things. But what, for whatever reason, they're important. They meetings help me keep balance. Meetings give me a place to pause. Um, you know, maybe like meditation. I don't know. I'm not very good at the <clears throat> meditating thing either. None of us are, I guess. Ruth says uh, she tends to go out with the smokers in front of the building, even though she's not a smoker. That's one way to get out, I guess. And she also says I wish she wishes there would be better places at work than the toilets. 
for uh, for isolating and meditating or whatever. Uh, but it is it is the only place where you can be on your own for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you know you've got a, like a courtyard out in the middle of your your yeah. complex. There is that ever a place you can go? The courtyard is literally right in front of my lab window. Uh, so my supervisor and all of my coworkers would watch me go out there. Ain't working, yeah. And just gotcha. sit. And just sit. <laughs> Sarah, and ain't working. And I'd be like, is that, that's what I'm paying you to do? Really? Take a nap? <laughs> Sitting up? <laughs> Remind them of the Henry Ford story. The Henry Ford story? Uh, yeah, so Henry Ford's got this like efficiency expert visiting the, the plant, and they, they're walking around checking on what everybody's doing, and they go by one office, and... And there's this guy sitting there with his feet up on the desk, and the efficiency expert says, well, he's obviously not working. And Henry Ford says, hey, the last time he sat there with his feet up on the desk, he had an idea that saved us $10,000. Hmm. So I let him put his feet up on the desk and because that's that's how he works. <laughs> and, and, and you need that sometimes. I mean, I need to get up from my desk and go, you know, maybe I'll just wander around the room um, because something's happening in my head that needs to be separated from from what else is there. Mm. I don't know. Other tools? Hmm. Well, I was just, as you as you were talking about the bathroom stall, um, I was thinking, and I don't know if, if maybe it's just where we're located near Detroit, but the Detroit airport uh, has scattered throughout the terminals uh, these religious reflection rooms where you could, you know, it's basically a... U of M does. Empty, oh, do they? Yep. Oh, nice. So some offices have a place where you can go, <laughs> some workplaces where you can go to meditate. Yeah, but we don't have one of those. <laughs> I will say that is an advantage to uh, being self-employed and working from home, is that, uh, you know, you can just go sit in the other room and meditate if you need to. No no bosses watching from the <laughs> courtyard. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, any, any last thoughts on, on balancing your life? Hmm. <clears throat> It just feels so much better when it's balanced. Yeah. I wish there was a, a way to keep it that way all the time. <laughs> Progress, not perfection, right? <laughs> I think um, honesty. Honesty about the what's going on around you and what's going on inside you. And, and just accepting that. Yeah, self-honesty. And, yeah, self-honesty. And also being honest with the people around you. Like me saying... Thinking to myself, I, I have to have two months to do this project. And then telling my bosses, oh, yeah, one week, sure. <laughs> and then as the week ends, I'm like, did I say one week? What I meant was two. Like, just honesty. Because that way I'm not, I don't have another ball up in the air trying to please somebody. Wow, that is so true. Yeah. 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 So honesty with myself, honesty with other people, which requires dun, 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 inventory, prayer, and meditation. <laughs> awesome. I think... When I'm in balance, when my life is in balance, I can actually accomplish more yes. than when I'm off balance. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I'm frantically juggling too many things, I'm actually accomplishing less on all of them. Mm-hmm. Let's close with a, a reminder for today. Somewhere in each of us, we're a mixture of light and of darkness, of love and of hate, of trust and of fear. And that's by uh, Jean Vanier from the book The Spirituality of Imperfection. Sounds like a great book to read. After a short break, we will continue with Our Lives in Recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. And Swetha, what's our song coming up? 
Uh, next, we have We the Kings singing Just Keep Breathing. They think that title is pretty telltale <laughs> title there. Uh, they say, when you watch the world turn away and break the promises it made, just take a breath and let it go. Which also is meditation, guys. When heaven seems so far away And dreams are just a memory Without the dark, the light won't show section of the podcast we talk about our lives in recovery what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week kelly you want to start sure i didn't have much recovery this week (laughs) and it was very apparent Uh, i actually spent some time with some folks who gave me a glimpse into perhaps what my life would be like if i were not in recovery Mm -hmm. and uh you know, Spencer and I were kind of talking a little bit this morning about um, people who had shared at a meeting about struggling to get to meetings, how they have a hard time getting themselves to meetings. And we were sort of commiserating that, uh, that that's not something that we struggle with just because I just know how insane I feel and can be when I'm not going to meetings, you know, that's, that's like the baseline. That's the bare minimum is getting to the meeting. So let's see. So I did go to a meeting last night, though. It was uh, tradition eight was the topic. And um, it was really, really, it felt really powerful. And I, I couldn't tell how realistic that feeling was. Because, 
you know, it had been about a week since I'd been to a meeting. So I didn't know if it was just that, just really glad to be back or, um, but, but it felt like, uh, you know, everybody was really opening up and, and really being honest. And, and there was a lot of great conversation that happened before the meeting and after the meeting, you know, it gave me an opportunity to check in with everybody that I hadn't seen throughout the week because I was gone. And, um, you know, I really, even though I did get a lot of those phone calls and emails and texts and everything from, from program friends during the week, which I desperately needed because it helped keep me sane. Um, it is just nice to see their faces, you know, see their faces, give them a hug, say hello. Yeah. So, so I did spend some time this week, um, staying with some out of town friends while, um, in the town that I was working in who, um, both have, alcoholism in their families and both are not in recovery. <laughs> it was, it was just a really sort of, um, kind of a tense environment to be in. You know, it, it sort of, I was able to revisit that feeling of taking the temperature before you enter the room and sort of, there was a lot of walking on eggshells, um, trying to make sure that all the all the pieces were in place and everybody was happy and that everything was going well. Yeah, it was really interesting. But uh but like I said, um I was in touch with a lot of people from the program this week. Um I was not able because of my schedule to get to any meetings. Um but I did get a lot of phone calls, texts, emails and Facebook messages and <laughs> every form possible of communication which was amazing. It all it all came exactly when I needed to hear it. So I'm definitely grateful to everybody that came through this week. So I just want to remind people, um, Tradition 8 that we talked about last night mm. states, Al-Anon 12th step work should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers, which I think most of the conversation at that meeting, most of the sharing at that meeting was about the the way in which we benefit from the non-professional nature of sharing our own experience, strength, and hope with each other. Right. Swetha, how was your week? Um, I did not do the bare minimum, and I did not go to any. Uh, I didn't go to any meetings this week because I was having trouble with balance in my life. However, I did manage to get in a lot of meditation. I think I called my sponsor obsessively this week and called program friends a lot this well as well. And um, I also go to see a therapist and she's a lot, uh, she's uh, really geared towards spirituality. And I think for me, that's what a lot of the meetings do for me. I mean, I ideally really love going to meetings, but what meetings do for me is um, it helps me tell myself that I'm important enough to take time out of my day to go and do something just for me. Cause those meetings aren't, they're not helping my mom. They're not helping my friends. They're helping me. So going to, and, and they help me to discover myself when I hear other people share and I see my friends there and hear them share and I connect with them cause I hear my story and their words. And uh, I get a lot of the same thing when I talk to people on the phone um, from the program or when I go and see my therapist, it's more about keeping the focus on myself and, and letting myself know that whatever's going on is okay. It's not going to be okay someday or anything like that. It's okay. I can accept myself. I can accept things going on around me. 
And meditation really helps seal that. I'm really pushing meditation today. Like it's my job. <laughs> my God. I feel like I feel like I wish meditation was a corporation that could pay me for all this marketing. I think that's primarily it. Yeah. Well, my week. And I guess from the point of view of the the interval between podcasts, it it was a short week because we recorded on Monday and we're recording again on Saturday. Oh, that's right. Um, So I already shared about the uh, the, um, fun-filled weekend I had Mm. um, (laughs) last weekend, uh, driving 1,600 miles and leaving my son to his new homeless living arrangements. (laughs) Visiting my ailing parents. Um, No judgment there, not at all. It's literally true. He is homeless. Um, uh, Homeless living arrangements. (laughs) He has a home. It's just a tent. It's just a temporary home. Yeah, he discovered he can't get a bank account without an actual address in the. Uh oh. Oh. So he got an online bank account. They're fine, you know. It's the 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 so-called Patriot Act. you have to have a, a physical address in order to open a bank account. Hmm. He's got a physical address. It's in Ann Arbor, right. not in Stores, Connecticut. Right. Uh, so the online bank was happy with that, but the uh, the local bank was not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, you discover stuff. So this week, since then, uh, well, one of the things that I did uh, that I did this week is uh, took over writing the meditations on the website because Swetha was so busy with other stuff. She said, hey, could you do that? Because I think I said, hey, I want to write a meditation. She said, actually, could you do the ones for the rest of the week? <laughs> I'm like, sure, I could do that. And that really helped um, me to, uh, you know, sort of work out some things that were in my head, um, you know, work out uh, stuff about the the trip and, and some other things. And, uh, so that's been good, and in a sort of different, different form of meditation. It's not really meditation. It's more, you know, they're more like maybe shares, except I get to think about them and and wordcraft them and all that fun stuff, and and find pictures to go with them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you haven't looked at the meditations on the website, you know you should, yeah, because Swetha writes great ones, and <laughs> I write some. Great yeah. ones also. Well, I'm not going to say that. It's so okay, thank I said you. It. We're good. <laughs> thank you. And uh, uh, I was at that meeting last night where we talked about Tradition 8. And like I said, there was a lot of sharing about how we each benefit from sort of the equal sharing that nobody is above anybody else, that we're all we're all equals in this program, whether, and, and I know this has been true for me, whether we're newly arrived or whether we've been here for years, I'm just, I learned something from everybody. And hopefully people learn stuff from me, I don't know. So it, it, I just, I really enjoyed that meeting. And um, I'm trying to remember, oh, Wednesday night was on step eight. So uh, that was also... Uh, Step eight was uh, made a list of all people we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And there was some real good sharing there, too. And since we had just talked about step eight a couple of weeks earlier on the podcast, there's been a, a connection there. And step eight's been really, really um, amazing in my life recently in terms of um, finding finding some change, finding some recovery. 
So our topic next week is going to be a sibling roundtable. And so we've got a number of uh, Al-Anon members who have uh, siblings who are alcoholics or addicts, and we're going to bring them together to talk about um, the issues that they find and how they found recovery in Al-Anon. That should be interesting. We will not be broadcasting that one live to um, help people preserve their their anonymity who are not uh, sort of regular contributors to the podcast. But uh, I look forward to that. And if your sibling is one of your, as we say, I hate this word, qualifiers, <laughs> uh, we'd love to hear from you. How did having a sibling who is an addict or alcoholic affect your life growing up? How is your life impacted by that sibling now? And Kelly, how can people send us feedback? Well, you can call and leave us a voicemail. The phone number is 734-707-8795. You can just put the podcast on pause and join the conversation at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can also send an email to feedback at com. And we do love to hear from you guys. We want to hear your experience, strength, and hope, um, or also your questions about today's topic of juggling versus balance, or next week's topic uh, for the Sibling Roundtable. If you have a topic that you'd like us to talk about, please let us know that too. We have a list going on the website, and we're always looking for new ideas, so feel free to send us those as well. Swetha, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? They can learn more at our website, therecoveryshow.com, which has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, a blog with daily meditations, links to the music we play, and a page to which we periodically post recordings of open talk speakers. We've also got a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. There are many ways to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website. You can leave comments on the blog. We're always looking for music suggestions and have a page with just a few we've received so far. And if you're inspired or ambitious, think about contributing a guest meditation or a meditation prompt, usually a quote or song lyric. If you like the meditations emailed to you daily, click on the email button at the top right corner of the page to sign up. Just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. Hey, Spencer, do we have any voicemails, emails, or comments this week? We do have a few, uh, but first we're going to listen to The Balance by the Moody Blues. This is a band that I encountered when I was a teen about 40 years ago. And I think it's the first band that I had all their albums. I really liked them. I still do. And this song, The Balance, is from an album called A Question of Balance. Seemed very appropriate for this episode. Uh, and the album is sort of a musical journey from the first song, Question, uh, through uh, an exploration of different aspects of life that are maybe out of balance, some of them for sure, uh, to the last song, The Balance. And, and so at the beginning... Um, little quote from the first song, but in the gray of the morning, my mind becomes confused between the dead and the sleeping and the road that I must choose. And at the end of the journey, our, our hero, if you will, finds some serenity and balance. After he had journeyed and his feet were sore, he was tired. He came upon an orange grove and he rested. And he lay in the cool while he rested, he took to himself an orange and tasted it. And it was good. And he felt the earth to his spine, and he asked. 
and he saw the tree above him and the stars and the veins in the leaf and the light and the balance and he saw magnificent perfection whereon he thought of himself in balance and he knew he was So we've got a couple of uh, emails this week. Uh, Swetha, you want to read the first one here? I I do. It said Swetha at the top, and I was like, wait, I didn't send in an email. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, so I think it's appropriate for you to read this one because, <laughs> yeah, she's addressing it to you. Awesome. It says, Swetha, I think that there's nothing wrong with sitting there like a bump on a log drinking a Coke. <laughs> I think we Al-Anons are especially prone to internalizing that we have to improve, be good, do it right, grow, etc. If drinking a Coke and sitting at the table is the thing that makes one happy and content or brings serenity, then isn't that maybe the right thing to do? One of my isms may, be, may easily be improvism, do betterism, <laughs> which I'm slowly losing my energy and interest in. I don't think what my old thinking about success is viable any longer. Everything is changing. I, d- I think things aren't linear either. I'm opening, not improving. This minds me, reminds me of there is red, yellow, and blue. They aren't hierarchical. Here I am. Here we are. Thanks for such a great show. Nell R. from Atlanta. Thanks so much for your comments, Nell. I sent, I, I, I'm surprised that I was surprised at reading this because I, I read this a while ago and sent her a response back. <laughs> and I guess my memory is doing uh, playing some tricks on me. Yeah, and Nell's referring to some things that we said during yeah. the previous episode about self-acceptance and self-esteem. Which was episode... Uh, the previous one, 30, I don't know, 36. Six. Okay, this is 37, so yeah, 36. Yeah, just checking. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about sort of the drive to make yourself better and mm-hmm. and rather than, and as opposed to just, you know, accepting who you are. Right, the difference between um, complacency and contentment. Complacency, that was it, yep. yes. Complacency and contentment. I like that. Mm, yeah. I don't think we used that word contentment, did we? We did. That's what was one. Of, wow. That was what the question kind of sparked. Wow. Is I, that um, which is what I wrote back to Nell is that I was using sitting like a bump on a log, drinking a coke yes. as complacency, yeah. not yeah. don't ever sit on logs, never drink a coke. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> You'll ruin your life. I'm yeah. all about both of yeah. those things. Yeah, um, and I think you can be contented sitting on a log. Yeah, yeah. Drinking if a coke content, also. That's that's, great. I think that's what Nell is saying here. Right. And you know, of course, she'd be drinking a coke since she's from Atlanta. <laughs> oh yeah okay and uh, I guess that was the only email well we had the email that we read earlier and uh, we had a couple new reviews on iTunes iTunes reviews and ratings do help us to make us easier to find by those in need who are seeking recovery and if you're concerned about anonymity you can give us a rating without writing a review and it won't show your identity on the iTunes site and we've got one from Tony he says, this show continues to improve and amaze. The hosts are honest and open and help me understand the concepts and principles behind al Thank you. Kelly, you want to read the next one? Yeah, we also have one five-star review that says, very helpful, by EarthBrown8. It says, I found this podcast through the podcast I enjoy called Recovered. I enjoy listening to this show and the topics discussed. Hearing them share about how they deal with stuff is helpful to me. 
listening to positive people offsets the negativity that can overwhelm my thinking at times. Very and, true. And you know, I, that last sentence, I go and look at our like download stats, and it seems to me that the shows that get more downloads are the ones that are about positive topics hmm. for, on the most part. That's um, interesting. Yeah, and uh, because I know when we started out, we were sort of trying to balance, well, here's a, a negative thing, and here's a positive thing, and here's a negative thing. And we've been doing more positivity lately, and I think I think that's a good thing. And I think also our negative, quote-unquote, negative topics, we addressed it from a program perspective. Well, of course we did. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, I think shame was is still a popular one. So yeah. that was a good negative sort yeah. of thing, something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving right along. Um, <laughs> as we mentioned before, we are recording this episode live. This is the third episode, which we've tried this format. And we're planning to do it for a while more uh, because we want to get some more people in the chat room because it's fun. And Ruth's lonely. And Ruth's lonely. <laughs> yeah, we have Barb now. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, Barb joined us uh, just a few minutes ago. And uh, and she's got a little contribution on the topic here. She says, uh, juggling always involves controlling something or maybe controlling my control of something. Yeah. Mm. It takes skill and even luck. Hey, sometimes it takes the cooperation of the stuff or even the people being juggled. Whereas balance is a state of blessing and requires my being in the state of having let go of whatever negatively impacts my balance. For me, it begins with a day that starts with a solid third step commitment to my higher power. Sometimes he reminds me, is your name on it? Not your problem. I'm practicing yoga and I've learned balance isn't something I've done. I have or don't have. It's something I develop. And Barb, actually, I, I, thank you for bringing in the uh, higher power thing. Um, my sponsor recently has, has me um, praying in the morning for third step and seven step prayers. And then I have to text to her to say that I've done it. So, you know, commitment there. And... I found a couple of days recently when I forgot didn't go as well as the days when I did that mm -hmm. sort of had the same stresses during the day. So, yeah, very true. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so this is what happens when we record live. We get this uh, this nice little yeah. uh, thing going. And we will be posting the dates and times for the live episodes on our websites. And I apologize again. I got it up yesterday because I realized, oh, my God, we're actually recording tomorrow. I thought I had a few more days because, you know, Monday I was like, well, I want to wait a couple days and then I'll post it. And all of a sudden it was Friday. And yeah, mm -hmm. so hopefully we'll get that up there earlier. I did put it in the show notes for the previous episode when we were going to be recording. So and Barb says, take what you like and leave the rest. That's for sure. <laughs> Just looking forward to next week, a few months ago, we did a Parents Roundtable episode where we had parents of alcoholics and addicts come and do the show and discuss their experience, strength, and hope. Because of the reception of this episode, we're going to be doing a sibling roundtable. We'll be recording that on August 25th, not live. We would love your input, though, if you you know, have siblings who are alcoholics and addicts and, and you can express to us uh, how they've affected uh, your program, your life, or how your program has helped you uh, to, uh, you know, be with them better in, uh, or whatever. I'm not expressing that well. Spencer, um, I just want to throw out an idea yeah. too, because I know we share a lot of listeners with uh, Recovered, that if you are the addict or alcoholic and your siblings have expressed their feelings of how how it was growing up with you or, or how it is to interact with you now that you're in recovery, we would love to hear that too. Oh, that's a great idea. Thanks, Kelly. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses that run about $30 a month. 
You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly like Laura did. We've put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, you can order anything from Amazon using the search box at the bottom of the books page. It costs you nothing extra and keeps us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us. We are here for you. Or being in the chat room. Or being yeah. in the chat room. Thanks yeah. for that, too. Thank yeah. you. And uh, Kelly's about to introduce our closing song. I just want to say... You have to go watch the video for this song, okay? <laughs> the video will be in the show notes at therecoveryshow.com slash 37. Go look at it because it's an awesome video. That's <laughs> so funny. Uh, so the song that we're going to listen to is by Van Halen. And I think when I proposed this song, I think Spencer was like, I don't, I don't know about this. The song is called... It's right a hair band. Come on. Right? <laughs> song is called Right Now. Um, it actually came on the radio when I was driving earlier in the week, and I turned it up because I love the song. I grew up in the 80s, so, you know. It's... Then I really started, like, paying attention to the lyrics, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so perfect for this episode. And, uh, and then the video just, you know, tops it off. It's really good. Um, some of the lyrics are, uh, miss the beat, you lose the rhythm, and nothing falls into place. One step ahead, one step behind. Now you got to run to get even. And I think the the song title right now reminds me uh, to stay in the moment. And I feel like the the better I am at staying in the moment, the less I feel like I'm juggling if I'm just tackling one thing at a time. So enjoy. listening and please keep coming back whatever your problems there are those among us who have had them too if we did not talk about a problem you are facing today feel free to contact us so that we can talk about it in a future episode may understanding love and peace grow in you one day at a time you lose the rhythm